Welcome to our study on trusting God. Knowing and experiencing God's love. Wow. What greater way to show God's love for us than for Him to give His only begotten Son so that we could live through Him. Let's turn over in our Bibles to 1 John chapter 4 and let's read verses 9 and 10. It says, In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Ladies, I want you to notice there in verse 10 that it says, It was not that we loved God, but that He loved us us and sent his son this parallels over with john three sixteen, right where it says for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life god's sacrificial love for us is far beyond anything that we could ever imagine when the apostle john said that God showed his love by sending his son, he was saying God showed his love by meeting our greatest need, which God offered up his son as a sacrifice for our sins, that we would be seen as holy and righteous in his eyes, that we may live with him throughout eternity. Now he sees us as united in his beloved son, clothed in his righteousness, his love for us. He loves us, ladies, so much. Not because of anything that we've done, is it? No, it's because we are in Christ. There is nothing that we can do to deserve this love. God, before the foundation of the world, chose to send his son to die for us. This was before the world was ever even created. God in his love made a plan to save a wretch like me. To save a wretch like you. To save a wretch like each and every one of us. Let's look over to Romans chapter 5 verse 8. It says, But God demonstrated his own love toward us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Calvary is the one objective, absolute, irrefutable proof of God's love for us, isn't it? As children of God, our names are written in heaven. How awesome is that? Isn't that powerful? Let's look over and look at that at Luke Chapter 10 and verse 20. It says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And then we turn over to Revelation chapter 20 verse 15 and it says, If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, it was thrown into the lake of fire. Ladies, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then I'm sorry your name will not be in the book of life. You must believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? That He came to sacrificially 
take the punishment for your sins that you may be found blameless in God's eyes. It is only through Jesus Christ that your name will be written in the book of life. If you have not accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, I ask you and beg of you to do that today. Ladies, in God's sovereignty, He controls and has power over His creation, doesn't He? He planned from the beginning, before the foundation of the world, what events would take place in order to fulfill His plan and His purpose. To see this, let's look over at Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasures. Ladies, let's ask Dr. John MacArthur, pastor of Grace Community Church, what he thinks of Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10, in light of God's sovereignty. Please listen. I think that's my favorite verse on the sovereignty of God. I mean, it shuts down every argument. Uh, and I think the definitive statement there is, I am God and there is no other. In other words, there's not any competition for who's in charge. You know, this idea that God is fighting Satan all the time, and sometimes Satan wins, and sometimes God wins, and sometimes Satan comes in and kills your kids and gives you cancer, and God is scrambling to try to counter Satan, and that is just a horrendous misrepresentation of the reality. And so that verse starts out, I am God, and nobody else or no other being is God, which means I don't have any competition. I'm absolutely and thoroughly in charge. And then I love the, the next line that, I have determined the end at the beginning. I mean, the end is already determined. I determined the end at the beginning, which is to say that whatever God purposes is what will happen. That's what will happen. So whatever happens is what he purposed to happen. You're a believer. I'm a believer. That's the end in a personal sense. But it is the end because it was the purpose, the beginning. God determined that when... He laid out the plan. So uh, I, I just think it's so important to understand that there's no competition with God. There, there's no competitor for God. Not man, not demons, not Satan. In the end of the day, it's wonderful to be able to live in perfect confidence that this is all within the larger purpose of God, who hasn't lost control of anything. God, out of his love for us, had a plan, didn't he, from the very beginning. And there is no one that can thwart that plan. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. God is full of agape love, a selfless, sacrificial love. It is a love that goes so far that it loves a person even if he does not deserve it. It is a love that goes so far that it loves a person who is utterly unworthy 
of being loved. And ladies, it is a love that goes so far that it is compelled to sacrifice itself for its enemies. God loved us so much that He gave His Son to die for us that we could live throughout eternity with Him. Don't you think He loves us enough to care for us and sustain us in this life also? That He is with us 24-7, watching and caring for us, watching and guiding each step of the way, fulfilling His plan and His purpose in our life? Now, it does not mean that just because of our union with Christ that we should not expect any adversity in our life. God never promises that. James 1-2 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, it doesn't say if you fall into various trials, but when. We will suffer under adversity. That is part of life. When we go through the various adversities, we do need to remember that God is in control, right? That He is always with us and will not forsake us. Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Does that sound like a God Who doesn't care? No, He is always there with you. And we honor God and we show Him glory by trusting Him when we're going through these adversities. Satan wants us to question God's goodness. He doesn't want us to say as Job did in Job 1.21, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. No, ladies, Satan will try to whisper accusations against God. And make you feel as if you are unworthy of God's love. For example, he may say, If he loved you, he wouldn't allow this to happen. Or, If he loved you, he would heal you and not allow you to suffer. You might even hear him whisper, Well, you don't deserve to be loved. Or, You deserve to be going through what you're going through. Just to keep us down. Keep us from praising God through those adversities. Ladies, we must not allow such thoughts to lodge in our minds. We don't always give such thoughts a second glance. Sometimes when Satan puts these thoughts in our minds, we simply ignore them, right? Knowing that God is in control and that he is with us. But it's when we have times of prolonged adversity. This is when we have a tendency to entertain these thoughts. Ladies, it is in these times that we need to be down on our knees asking God to give us the strength to endure. I have an acronym that I like to use to help combat this type of thought. I like to call it ANT, A-N-T. Now, you know ants can be annoying, right? They come in your house and they attack your food and they make a mess of things, don't they? Or maybe you're on a picnic and guess what? Here comes the ants. Well, they seem to invade when they're not welcome, right? 
Well, the, an acronym that I like to use that helps me to combat these type of thoughts is ANT. Avoid negative thoughts. There's a girl that was a very inspirational little girl. She had cancer. And she was on the ward getting her chemo. And she knew that she had so many days of chemo. She would vomit. She would have all of the symptoms of going through chemo with the hair loss and everything. But this little girl kept such a positive attitude through the whole thing. She knew that God was in control of things. She knew that as she went through this adversity that God was with her. She noticed other people on the ward going through chemo that they were depressed. They were down. They were just waiting to die. But not this little girl. She knew that God was with her. She said, Know that He is with you by your side no matter what. Wow. This young girl has been through some very tough times. Times that it would be so easy to allow the ants to come in, those negative thoughts. But she didn't. She had stored up in her heart verses that would encourage her during her time of adversity. Like, God will not allow more than we can bear. And that God works things out for our good. She knew it was all a part of God's sovereign plan for her life. And she trusted God in her adversity and was comforted and given a peace that was beyond all understanding. It is in these times that sometimes we question God's love, don't we? Remember, 2 Corinthians 5-7, it said, For we walk by faith, and not by sight? Ladies, we must see our circumstances through God's love instead of, as we are prone to do, seeing God's love through our own circumstances. This young girl reflected on God's love for her, his compassion that he would not give her more than she could bear, and that she knew God was working things according to His plan in her life. And ladies, this is why we need to store up in our hearts the scriptures that show us God's love, so that when those times of adversity hits us, we too will be able to have this type of faith and honor God in our adversity. Hebrews 13.5 tells us, that God will never leave us nor forsake us. In the Greek, the author used a triple negative here, meaning, I will never, never leave you nor forsake you. God is with us through every trial, through every adversity, through every circumstance in your life. He promises He will never, never, never leave you helpless. He will never leave you abandoned. He will never leave you destitute. God is with us 24-7 every second of the day. And He will meet every need according to His plan and His purpose in our life. God didn't leave Stephen, did He? When He was being stoned. Listen 
to what John MacArthur had to say about Stephen. I love the testimony additionally of Stephen, who's being, you know, unjustly crushed beneath the bloody stones, and he says, you know, what he what his Savior said on the cross. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. And Stephen says, lay not this sin to their charge. That's the right response, because Stephen knows that God is going to work this to his good. He even begins to see a glimpse of Christ waiting for him in glory. Acts 7, verses 59 to 60, said, And they stoned Stephen, and he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Ladies, Stephen experienced the pain and suffering of the trial just as believers, we too will experience pain and suffering. But, we are given the grace and the strength to endure the trials. Stephen called out to the Lord while he was being stoned, asking the Lord Jesus to receive his spirit. He knew that to be absent from the body was to be present with the Lord, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.8. Stephen was trusting in Jesus and the wonderful love of God to give him the strength as he went through that adversity. And Stephen's last act was of forgiveness. As he pleaded for his persecutors and murderers, as he said, Lord, do not charge them with this sin, just as Christ forgave them for crucifying him. We are to forgive men no matter what the offense may be, aren't we? The scripture tells us that that Stephen fell asleep. There is something peaceful about his death in spite of its violent nature. Remember, he looked up and he saw Christ standing there at the right-hand side of God, waiting for him. Stephen went to be with Jesus, and he became the first martyr of the early church. He was the first of a long line of believers who gave their lives for Christ and the gospel. Remember, Paul said in Philippians 1.21, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. How true is that, ladies? Ladies, we may be unjustly accused, treated unfairly, and suffer in adversity, but we know that it is all a part of God's plan, don't we? And we know that God in His love cares for us and is with us through every trial, through every adversity that we go through. And that through it all, we are being shaped into the image of His Son. Ephesians 1 verses 11 through 12 say, In Him also we have obtained inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. It is through God's unfailing love that we are able to stand steadfast and 
constant in our walk, isn't it? Psalms 32.10 says, Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Isaiah 54.10 says, For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from you, nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. God's love, ladies, is unfailing. His grace is always sufficient, and He is with us in our troubles. Isaiah 43.2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Oh, ladies, how encouraging is that? Think about it. When you pass through the waters, remember Moses and the Israelites When Moses parted the sea for them to escape in the Egyptians, God was with them, wasn't he? As we saw in Exodus 14.21. And then it says, When you pass through the rivers, they will not overflow you. Remember the priests. As they carried the Ark of the Covenant across the River Jordan, God was with them, wasn't he? The priests had to put their foot in the raging waters, the flooding waters, And when they put their foot in there, the waters parted and it dried up and they were able to go across. Joshua 3, 14-17 God was with them. And then it says, When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. Remember, first thing you think about there is the three Hebrew boys, don't you? Who were not burned in the furnace. God was with them, wasn't he? As we see in Daniel 3, Verses 22 to 28. Ladies, he will not spare us either from the waters of sorrow and the fires of adversity, but he will go through them with us. God will never leave you nor forsake you. He promises that he will be with you. Isaiah 49:15 says, Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will never forget you. In closing, I'm reminded of an Indian legend. It's about a young Indian lad who loved his mother very deeply, but found himself in a very peculiar position. He found a girl whom he loved and he wanted to be with. Well, this girl didn't like like sharing his love with his mother. And one day she became very, very jealous. She told him, If you love me, prove it. Cut the heart out of your mother and bring it to me. Well, the lad, he struggled with this because he did love his mother. But she was very persistent and proceeded to tell him that she would leave if he didn't prove his love to her as she asked. So, the young Indian lad, well, he didn't want to lose his girlfriend. So, he went and he cut the heart of his mother to prove that he loved his girlfriend more. Well, he ran as fast as he could back to the girlfriend to show her of his devotion 
He's carrying that heart to show her. And as he's running, you can hear him. And he's running as fast as he could to show her that he loves her. And he trips. And there goes the heart on the ground. The next thing that happened convicted the young lad. As he heard his mother's heart saying as he picked it up, Son, are you all right? And then he realized what he had done and he began to sob. Our Father in Heaven is asking, Child, are you all right when we trip and fall? Ladies, Satan may try to deceive us, putting those negative thoughts into our minds, wanting us to doubt God's love. But I want you to remember these verses. Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. It says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul proved that God cannot fail us. But, ladies, it is possible that we can fail God, isn't it? Suppose some great trial or temptation comes and we fail, like this young Indian lad. Then what? Well, the scripture tells us here, that we cannot be separated from the love of God. Ladies, if you're in a position where you're feeling as if God is so far away that you don't feel His presence in your life, cry out to Him and repent from any sins in your life. Let Him know that you want that deep personal relationship with Him. Even though you feel as if God is so far away, Know that God is right there with you. He hasn't moved. We've moved. And He is waiting for us to call upon Him. Ladies, I've enjoyed doing this study with you. And I look forward to doing next week as we look at who we are in Christ. As we look at Lesson 9 of our study guide, which covers chapter 11 of the book Trusting God. Until then, may the Lord bless you. Bye-bye.